So I'm sure that uh, many of you had a great uh, evening last night uh, having a Seder at home, and that's fantastic. And, you know, isn't it kind of, uh, kind of a unique thing to have a, uh, it's really, a, you know, like a service uh, uh, at home. Usually don't, you know, think of taking like the personal responsibility of doing something at home. Usually we come here, we, we have a, a service here, uh, you know, uh, but uh, it really is a, uh, a kind of a neat thing to have, uh, to take the responsibility uh, to not just, you know, we focus a lot on the meal and what we eat and all of that, but going through the Haggadah is uh, really a, uh, a great thing, and it it has been an ongoing uh, tradition of our people uh, for thousands of years. And every time that we engage in it, we are, we, we are part of a, a link in the chain of Jewish history, uh, regardless of who we are. You know, whether uh, you're celebrating it for the first time or you uh, have celebrated it uh, or you have celebrated it always. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, tonight, of course, we'll be having our Beth Messiah Seder, and uh, it's really our biggest event of the year, uh, our biggest service, our biggest event, and, and uh, so I hope that uh, you're all registered and you're coming and, and going to join in uh, the great uh, celebration as we remember the deliverance of the Jewish people out of Egypt, as we remember the uh, deliverance uh, that we have in Messiah Yeshua, and uh, the deliverance uh, that is coming uh, at the end. And we'll be talking you know, more about uh, a lot of that uh, this evening. Uh, but this morning, I wanted us to uh, focus... Uh, uh, a little bit on uh, the, the big picture of, uh, of the, uh, the deliverance and, uh, and what it implies and what it means. Today we have Messiah's table and how appropriate it is uh, for us to do that because needless to say, it was at a Passover Seder uh, that, uh, that Yeshua uh, inaugurated uh, this particular uh, rite, and it was interesting. I was uh, telling Henry yesterday afternoon, I spent a little portion of yesterday just following the bunny trails that people uh, create to try to figure out how you can get three days and three nights, and when did Yeshua celebrate the Seder, and, and I thought it was kind of humorous uh, and on one level, because uh, one particular person on the internet wrote about this, um, this, uh, this meal uh, that is taken uh, the night before, and that if you translate it into English, you get Last Supper, okay? And I, I don't know if you're familiar with... Uh, you know, the way uh, the, the, uh, Passover is observed, you know, there's a, the, a fast before the Seder. It's called the fast of the firstborn, okay? So that would have been uh, yesterday, more, like from morning till evening, from morning to the Seder, okay? Uh, and so the, the evening before that, there is this meal. The actual name in Hebrew escapes me, right? 
Sudas mikafot. I, I can't remember what, it, what, what, what the other word is. But the, there was this great discovery that Last Supper. So you see, uh, Yeshua must have had his Seder the night before the Seder so that, you know, it all uh, works itself out. So it's very interesting because I did a little word study uh, in the Brit Hadashah to see all the places where the meal that Yeshua had is actually called the Last Supper. Guess how many there are? Zero. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> so, great, you know? Uh, so, uh, th th I thought that was kind of interesting. And of course, when people uh, uh, quote, they say, of course, it says in the Mishnah, but what's always fascinating to me is that when no one quotes, cites, the text in it, that simply means, you know, they read it somewhere else. They read it somewhere and just copying it. They just read it somewhere and it must be true. And so, and, uh, so it is a very interesting, uh, you know. So uh, may I suggest strongly that Yeshua celebrated Passover and it was really uh, the Seder uh, where he did really what, we, what we've been doing for thousands of years, taking uh, food at the Seder and, uh, and, and uh, saying how this brings us back and helps us to re-experience, you know, the deliverance all over again. Uh, and uh, so it is, you know, it is uh, important, I think, for us to get that, that Yeshua's uh, Seder was a Seder, <laughs> you know. Uh, and, uh, and so that's uh, a kind of interesting. Another thing that's interesting this particular year uh, is how, we, how, you know, last night was the um, first Seder, uh, tonight is the second Seder, and then uh, for much of the Christian world, tomorrow, you know, is a major holy day, uh, Easter. I'm not afraid to say that word, okay? I just wanted to let you know, let the air out of the balloon, all right? Uh, and, uh, and so the Christian world holds uh, tomorrow as a holy day. Now, many of you may know that it's not what is ever Easter Sunday was a few hundred years after the resurrection was determined that what is the second Sunday after the equinox, right, would be that day to remember the resurrection. So it's not the actual date, okay? The actual date Without, I, I'm not going to go into all the details, is, is the 17th of Nisan, actually, in that first century, before the destruction of the temple, that, that particular year, okay? We can discuss that on, at another time. Uh, however, I, what is uh, kind of interesting is, uh, you know, people uh, will, might often uh, say uh, uh, to us, uh, well, uh, you guys believe in the resurrection, so why don't you have like do Easter? You know, uh, 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 because we want to remember uh, the resurrection. What's interesting about that is, is that in the early years uh, of the you know body of Messiah, like when you read the Book of Acts in those years, you know the, that fir those first century years, that the normal thing was for believers, no matter where they lived or no matter, uh, you know, what their ethnic background was, that at Passover, 
would be the remembrance of the, what we call the finished work of the Messiah. You know, the death, resurrection, ascension, and, you know, all, all of those things. Well, actually not the ascension of, of Yeshua, that's Shavuot. Uh, but the, uh, the death and resurrection uh, of, of the Messiah. And it was actually a decision that was made several hundred years later not to do that. In other words, what I'm saying is, is that um, the, the real question is, how come not all believers in Yeshua are uh, remembering the death and resurrection of the Messiah at Passover, whether you have a traditional Seder or not, uh, to, to remember it at that time. Because that's how I believe for the first couple of hundred years, I, uh, Passover uh, was, was the time. But eventually, you know, there was uh, what we call the, the great divorce, right? So it's very interesting. Another, another interesting thing about that is, is that that happened among the uh, uh, ecclesial leaders. But by the time you got to the, uh, the rank and file, the people living uh, you know, next to each other, so to speak, there was for a long time a lot of um, a relationship uh, uh, between the Jewish and Christian world. Uh, now, I'm not talking about the Middle Ages or anything like that. We're talking just the first few hundred years, uh, and so it, you know, it's a, a, a kind of uh, kind of interesting when uh, you know when we think about that. So uh, there you go. So for us, Passover is really the great holiday of redemption, of uh, remembering uh, what Yeshua uh, did for us, and and all of the del the deliverances. Uh, that we have from the, uh, the Lord. Now, oftentimes, oftentimes, over the past few years, uh, we have had a service called Yom Habikurim uh, for the, uh, to remember the resurrection. This particular year, we decided not to do that because no matter which way, whichever way we would do it, it would come out as... Beth Messiah's Easter service. You know what I mean? So we just, because part of the testimony is recognizing the, 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 the difference in the day. So if you really want to know, though, this year, when, when is that day? It's actually Monday. It's actually tomorrow night and Monday uh, on the Hebrew calendar, on the Jewish calendar. Okay, now I know people disagree, so feel free, okay? Uh, and uh, and there you go. It's certainly nothing uh, to uh, get that that uh, 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 concerned about, but it is uh, just very interesting. So this year uh, we are going to focus on that right now today, uh, and uh, also uh, uh, as part of our seder, uh, remembering uh, not only the uh, the death but the resurrection. Uh, of uh, of the Messiah, okay. So remember, it's very interesting uh, what the Bible has to say about remembering Passover. Uh, if you got the uh, Jerash uh, this week, you saw that there's a number of passages that that tell us to remember Passover. I'm not going to turn to them now for the sake of time, but there's plenty of passages throughout the Tanakh that uh, uh, tell us not to forget 
Passover. Not to forget how God redeemed us, brought us by the hand, and led us out of the land of Egypt. And the reason for that often is that we would appreciate God and the deliverance, and that we might also be kind to the aliens and strangers in our midst, uh, because we remember where we came from and how we were slaves, right? Uh, and then, kind of interestingly, you read in the narratives uh, uh, in, in jo- regarding Joshua, regarding uh, uh, King Hezekiah, Josiah, and Ezra, that Passover was celebrated. What's fascinating about that is, is that all of the, the narrative passages uh, are all about a restoration and reform and you know, coming back to a, um, uh, or Thanksgiving, or coming back to a, a proper um, uh, relationship with God, or, or uh, the beginning of a covenantal promise that has come to pass, or something like that. So uh, when you uh, go past the pages of the Tanakh, and we really have it in our heads that there's one uh, Bible, right, that... Um, It should not surprise us that if we read about Passover in the life of Joshua, uh, uh, Hezekiah, Josiah, and Ezra, that we would read about Passover in the life of Yeshua. It's just, it's very consistent, uh, we we might say, uh, throughout the scriptures. And then, of course, uh, in uh, the letters of uh, uh, Paul, Interestingly enough, right, in, uh, in 1 uh, Corinthians, uh, you read about Passover, unleavened bread, and the Feast of first fruits. Uh, in uh, the, uh, Paul's first letter to the believers at, at uh, uh, Corinth. And then when you look at the uh, Revelation of John, the book of Revelation, clearly you have a Passover theme uh, in in Revelation, right? You have bondage, you have plagues, you have deliverance, and the predominant name of the Messiah in the book of Revelation is the Lamb, right? Uh, and so, quite clearly, the theme of Passover uh, is weaved uh, throughout the Scriptures, the importance of celebrating it, the importance of remembering it, but most importantly, uh, remembering uh, what, it, what it means, right? Now, as we'll uh, see tonight, um, I'm going to quote a few uh, texts from rabbinic sources uh, tonight that tell us quite clearly that as time went on, Passover became a holiday of looking forward to the Messianic age. And there are three or four distinct places in the Haggadah itself. Often we, we pass over them, okay? Uh, uh, but tonight, uh, we will remember them uh, and notice them, where in the Haggadah itself, there is a looking forward to the Messianic age. That's not something that Messianic Jews invented. You know, the, uh, that uh, Passover points to the Messiah. No. In the Jewish world, Passover points to the Messianic age uh, and the coming of the Messiah. The difference is, is that the, in the Jewish community, 
the Messiah is, is, they're not looking forward to a Messiah being the Lamb of God and dying for our sins, but of the coming Messianic age, of the deliverance, of the, the exodus, uh, uh, another exodus, uh, you know, that, that, that uh, uh, kind of thing. So we'll see that this evening. But it's important for us to really ap- appreciate this idea uh, that you have a past, a present, and a future uh, when it comes to uh, the, uh, the deliverance of God, the, 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 the deliverance of God and, and what, we, uh, what we remember, right? And, uh, and so the, uh, when, when we read these uh, texts and we read these uh, uh, sources, uh, it should really uh, get us all charged up when we think that, wow, you know, we remember our redemption out of Egypt, and which helps us to rem- remember all the deliverances of God in the Bible, you know, all the ways that God has delivered our people, with the great deliverance uh, in Messiah Yeshua, and that it looks forward to the, uh, the ultimate uh, deliverance of the world at, you know, at, the, uh, at the consummation. Okay. Now, uh, one thing that we uh, certainly need to uh, recognize about the deliverance of, uh, that we have uh, in the Messiah is the, uh, the importance of uh, the idea of resurrection uh, of, of, from the dead. Because it's very interesting that when uh, we think in, in Jewish terms that the Passover points to the, uh, the final redemption, as it's actually called in the Talmud. <laughs> Interesting, final redemption, right? Uh, what that means is the resurrection of the dead. That's what it means. I, uh, I don't know if we're aware of it or not, but the concept of resurrection from the dead, that is, very, that is prevalent uh, in Jewish writing and thinking about the consummation, about the re- final redemption. That resurrection is, is prevalent in that. That's part of what, what happens, uh, is the resurrection of the dead. So when Yeshua was raised from the dead, that, that was, here we go. This is the beginning of the final deliverance. This is the, the beginning of it. And that is why, may I suggest, in the book of Acts, that the resurrection of Yeshua is first and foremost in the minds of Peter when he gives his speeches, of Stephen when he gives his speech, of, of uh, Saul of Tarsus before he's called Paul when he gives his speech, and on and on, and all, all the way to the end of the book of Acts, throughout Acts. The resurrection of the Messiah was that was what they were heralding. Yes, the, the death of Yeshua uh, was necessary uh, for the resurrection to take place. And they, they came to understand that, uh, that his death had meaning. They came to understand. They didn't get that at the beginning. How do you know they didn't get that at the beginning? Well, we know from the Gospels. We know that they, scat- they scattered uh, and didn't, you know, they, they were beside themselves. Because he died. They did not interpret his death 
uh, uh, at that time as meaning, oh, he's, he's dying for our sins right now. No. They thought this was like failure. This is like a train wreck, right? But when he rose from the dead, whoa, we get it. They understood that because that has always been part and parcel of what is going to happen when the consummation comes. is going to be the resurrection of the dead. And so that is why it is so prevalent. And that is why really, you know, when you think about the Passover and you think about the, the death of the Lamb, uh, as we'll see tonight, Passover is a journey, right? The, the unfolding of the Haggadah is a journey uh, with a beginning and a middle and an end. Uh, and at the end, we're redeemed, you know, and that's why we sing the Hallel Psalms toward the end because we're redeemed from bondage, uh, you know. Uh, but what happens? How is the Jewish people, how are the Jewish people actually freed? Yes, they needed the lamb, right? They needed the lamb to die so that the firstborn could live because this was the plague, right? This was the plague on Egypt so that the people could escape. But you know what happens. They don't escape exactly, right? They get a little ways out and the Egyptians are on their way, see, right? And you come to the 14th chapter of uh, Exodus, and we see that you have the Red Sea, and you have the Egyptians coming, right? And so the waters of the sea had to part so that the people could cross on dry ground, no less. Could cross on dry ground, not get stuck in the mud, right? And get to the other side. That, and then, and then what do they do? What is the first thing that they do? They sing a song, right? Uh, that song of Moses, that song of great victory, right? But it doesn't come until the parting of the waters. And so how uh, powerful is it? In fact, when you read in the Psalms, like in the Psalm 103, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8, in, in that area, when you read about the great power of God in delivering the people, what is prevalent? What is prevalent is the parting of the waters of the sea, the, the great miracle uh, that took place in the parting of the waters of the sea. And it's no coincidence that at the other end of the wilderness, right, what great miracle happens for them to enter the land? The parting of the, the waters once again, uh, you know, of the, um, of, of the Jordan uh, in, in order to get into the promised land, the parting of the waters. And, and so it's very interesting that you have the death of the lamb and then the, the, the water parts and the people walk through. Very much that is a wonderful picture of when we uh, look at uh, Yeshua uh, in his death uh, and in his, uh, in his resurrection. Uh, and, and so it's kind of interesting, again, when you read those early uh, chapters in the book of Acts, that, you know, you have Peter uh, repeats himself uh, over and over again. He says, the one whom you, the one whom you killed. You ever notice that when you read the speeches, he says it over and over. The one whom you crucified, the one whom you crucified. You know, he's not saying that in order that they might say, the one whom you crucified, you know, as it might be preached sometimes, all right? 
No, what is his point? His point is that he's still alive. That's his point. His point is, you know that he's dead. You think he's dead. You know, you crucified. You were there, right? But yet he is alive. And when uh, someone, when Peter is doing all these miracles of healing people, it's quite clear what Peter is saying. Yeshua is doing this work. He is still at work doing what he did before. Now through the apostles, right? That he is indeed alive. And so our celebration of the redemption uh, must include at the Seder, the parting of the waters, and uh, when we remember Yeshua, it must always include the resurrection. For in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we read that we should be the most pitied of people if Yeshua was not raised from the dead, you know, because he conquered death. He conquered sin. And this is indeed uh, our inheritance, is, uh, is that uh, resurrection from the dead. Now, you know, in Revelation, in our Haftorah portion for today, in um, Revelation chapter 5, it's very interesting what we read. We won't read the whole thing. We'll read a few of the verses, okay? So what you have here is, is that Yeshua is the one who's going to uh, uh, complete the, uh, the, the work of God in this world. He is the one who's worthy to open up the seals. He's the one who is worthy to unfold the, uh, the, the future, right? To judge this world and bring, and bring the, the ultimate uh, redemption. Uh, and so... Uh, we read here, uh, in beginning in verse 9, and they sang, well, even in verse 8, And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, having each one a harp and golden bowls of incense, which are prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy art thou to take the book, to break its seals. For thou wast slain, and its purchase for a God with thy blood men from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. And thou hast made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. So in the death, why, why doesn't it say lion? Why doesn't it say lion? That's like the question. Why, why not lion? should be lion because the lion from the tribe of Judah, the lion is the king, the king of the jungle, right? Uh, the lion, you know, lambs are like Mary had a little one, you know? Just check out all your Friends of Israel material. Oh, sorry about that. But anyway, uh, you, you know, uh, the lamb, lamb, right? Right? When you think lamb, you think like that little, like a, a picture of a, I can picture it now, a lamb. And, and we like to think of the death of the Messiah as like this cute thing, the lamb, right? But that's incorrect, all right? And so the reason that we have lamb here is because the Lamb of God is powerful. The Lamb of God is the King. The Lamb of God uh, got victory uh, through his death and resurrection by having the, the Lamb here. Now, Lamb is used in, in a, a lot of extra-biblical um, apocalyptic material to talk about the King. But I would just say here that we have it here. It accentuates that the 
uh, concept of the Messiah dying for our sins was victorious. The opposite of what one might think. See? That the death of the Lamb was victorious. Uh, and, and so we see here that through the Lamb, the one who died for our sins and rose from the dead, right? Thou hast made uh, you know, all who embrace him to be a kingdom of priests uh, to uh, our God, and they will reign upon the earth. This is, when you, when you go back to Exodus chapter 20, you see this is the calling uh, uh, upon Israel. And so it's speaking of this finished work of the Messiah. And then it says, And I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was myriads and myriads and thousands and thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power uh, and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing." And every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and in the sea and all the things in them, I heard saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Now, what's interesting is uh, you read in the uh, Gospel of John, the same one who wrote the Revelation, in the sixth chapter, he says this. In the middle of the sixth chapter, he says, beginning in uh, verse 35, Yeshua said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you, you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me shall come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that all that he has given me I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. Okay? For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and I myself will... Raise him up on the last day. And then if you jump down to verse 53, it says, Yeshua therefore said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is, to, is true food, and my blood is, uh, is uh, true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. And the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. And he who eats me, he also shall live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread shall live forever. Okay, so these were tough words, right? Whoa, what's he saying? And people have gone to town on these words. But, of course, Yeshua was not saying, like, be a cannibal. Okay, he wasn't saying, be a cannibal. All right? Uh, what he is saying is, you must uh, identify in me in such a way that, uh, that I am abiding in you. Okay? Uh, and you're abiding in me. Now, he says this a very different way in the 15th chapter of John. He talks about abiding there, too, doesn't he? 
But there he talks about a vine and branches, right? But here he, uh, you know, he says, you know, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Of course, uh, he, he could not be the Messiah of Israel if he was condoning actually eating him, okay? Uh, so that is not the case. But he's talking about abiding in him, but in such a way that there is this intimacy that, that is beyond words, beyond description, see? Uh, all for the purpose of, of saying, you'll, ha- you'll live forever and, and you will be raised up on the last day. And so there's always the thought of resurrection in the death of the Messiah. When we think about the body and the blood of the Lamb sacrificed for us in our place, attached to it is always the thought of resurrection because resurrection is the, uh, the inheritance that we have when our sins are forgiven, you know, uh, in, in, uh, in the Messiah. So today we're having Messiah's table, and uh, we indeed uh, want to remember uh, our intimacy with God. We want to be thankful, just as we are, just like tonight, at the Seder, you know, we're re-experiencing our redemption out of bondage. And so as we partake of the matzah and of the cup, uh, there is a, um, uh, a sense, of course, that Yeshua is in our presence. And there is this uh, spiritual, we could call it an invisible, I don't like to use the word like spiritual versus physical, you know what I mean? It's not a right uh, line of demarcation. But a, an invisible, one might say mysterious, in a way, a, a sense of intimacy that we have with him when we take the matzah and the cup. An intimacy with God and one another as we have what we might call a shared experience uh, of this, uh, of this uh, together. It is a moment of thanksgiving, of remembering our deliverance, of identifying with uh, uh, Yeshua uh, in his death and in his resurrection. Okay, uh, and so today, if you know, if you are a, um, a Messiah follower, if you're a believer in Yeshua, uh, I invite you to participate. Whether you're from Beth Messiah or not, that's not really relevant. Uh, what is relevant is that you're identifying with the Messiah, the Lamb of God, and recognizing that He is indeed our deliverance. You know, I, it's like saying the difference between trusting in the Lord and trusting the Lord. That, wow, if my trust is in him, that there is this intimacy that I cannot quite put into words. And so we have phrases like, you know, eat my, uh, eat my uh, flesh, drink my blood. This, uh, you know, metaphors of intimacy uh, with God. But recognize that when we participate, there is this uh, identification uh, with the Lord. So the last thing we want to say is that when we remember the, the past and our redemption, you know, uh, back in Egypt, and we remember the redemption back in Jerusalem, historically, and we remember the future and, our, and the assurance of it, may we remember that today we can experience deliverance. When we say today, we, you know, we're delivered from our sins, it's not just 
the doctrine of sin. You know, it's not just the concept of sin, like disobedience from God. We are delivered from the effects of sin in our lives. Now, today, because we still have the flesh, we may, we're not delivered from 100%. After all, we still have these human bodies, you know, and they're all getting decrepit, right? You know, on, on one level or another, uh, right? So we don't have those new bodies yet, but, but there, there is a living hope that we have. And uh, as I, uh, you know, it's funny, I, I thought about this a lot last weekend, but it's come in handy thinking about it and talking about it all this week. That, you know, what we have is an inheritance, right? That future is an inheritance, right? Someone that loves us has died and has left us a tremendous inheritance, right? But the marvelous thing is, is that we can draw on it today. We get to draw on the inheritance today, see? Uh, And how do we do that? That is by abiding, embracing Yeshua, using whatever terminology you want to use, embracing him trusting him. And what, what do we get today? Well, we get like that resurrection, but inside of us. We get that new life, but being renewed day by day, right? Didn't Paul say this in 2 Corinthians, that, we're, we're, that our outer body is decaying? That's a nice way of saying we're getting old and our bodies are falling apart, okay? Right? So when we look at ourselves, we don't necessarily experience, we don't see that renewal, but inside of us, we are being renewed. And how does that manifest itself? Not only in, it, well, yes, in peace and in long-suffering, but I'm going to say also in being delivered from the bondage uh, of perhaps a way of life that we're stuck in, uh, perhaps a way of thinking uh, about ourselves and others and this world, perhaps, you know, attitudes and emotions and situations, we can be delivered by the power of God today. There is good news for our lives today. It is not only about the past and about the future and just hanging on for dear life, but there is victory today as we trust God and move forward in our walk uh, with Him. And so today on Passover, as we have had uh, Messiah's table, and as tonight uh, we will celebrate our, our Seder, may we really rejoice in deliverance that we can experience in our lives, drawing on the inheritance that is surely ours uh, in the future. What a great story. Now that's good news, all right? Let's pray. Lord uh, God, uh, thank you, Lord, for the deliverance by the power of the Lamb of God. Thank you, Lord, that uh, it's not a little lamb who died for us, but the almighty, all-sovereign God of the universe who emptied himself in this world to become humiliated and to suffer and to be hurt and to die and experience what we experience because you love us so much. But Lord, thank you, God, that death could not contain you and that you conquered it. Lord, we rejoice at Passover. We rejoice, Lord, in the life that we have, Lord, in you. 
may we live an abundant life in you, Lord. Yes, Lord, you are, you have been the bread of affliction, but Lord, thank you that you are indeed the bread of life. And we pray in Messiah's name.